Okay, so admittedly, this is a terrible way to start off a podcast. But let's run down all the different ways that you can tell it's Rutgers Week. Number one with a bullet. NJ.com is posting stories about one time Saquon Barkley, did you know, with a Rutgers commit. Number two, the weather is awful. The The environment, atmosphere is worse. I don't know about you. I have felt sluggish this week. The time change has thrown me off. It's 4.30 and it's dark outside. It snowed the other day. And three, we're really not talking a whole lot about Rutgers because Penn State is very much focused on itself. So... Welcome to Rutgers Week here in the Live 24-7 Podcast, Andrew Callahan and Sean Fitz. And you know what? That ends now, though, because we are going to have a fantastic episode. We have a guest. We are going to rearrange the Big Ten because no one wants to play Rutgers in Maryland in the final three games of their season. We are going to compare notes about the breakdown of the game, talk recruiting, take your mailbag questions, and have a lot of fun because we should end the week in a high note regardless of what kickoff is going to be. Apparently not a lot of fun because it's going to be a high of what, 34? 35 I think was the last I checked. But yeah, it's it's going to be brutally cold. Uh, luckily we're up in that box. So yeah. Yeah. I omitted this, but of course we have quote of the week, tweet of the week. And I think we should just get right rolling with those. Quote of the week came to us from James Franklin back right after the Michigan State loss. We are too finesse. He must have been reading our message board um, because that was already up there. And everyone does. I mean, that's all that I read on there. This is confirmation that we are the center of the Penn State universe. That's true. Um, But no, I mean, that that was on our board shortly after the game last weekend. And and he's right. I mean, this is a team that's that's not been physical up front. Uh, You've seen the results. Everybody's angry at the results. And I think rightfully so. Um, this is an offensive line that really, you know, wasn't good to begin with, but still isn't hasn't shown those strides that we saw last year. So um, it, it, it's worrisome, definitely. Um, you know, you got Rutgers, you got Nebraska and, and uh, Maryland coming up, so that'll hide some of the deficiencies. But when you play those top teams in the league, as Penn State's done the last couple of weeks, it's just it hasn't worked out. I wrote about this soon thereafter, where the run game struggles were, and it basically boils down to they're not blocking anyone. I mean, they're running a myriad of different schemes in the first half. Bold strategy to, to adjust. You know, for what Michigan State did, nothing worked. They had to go back to their their basics in the second half and put a little, um, they call window dressing on it to make it look like something different. That worked. Barkley had one big run on a a different little counter pitch. But, you know, it's been a consistent theme. And you got to credit the opponents. Five straight top 30 run defense. Again, something I wrote about on Monday. But... Here we are, three weeks left in the season, and it feels like no progress has been made when you want to stack up against the teams that you want to compete against. Now, as we said, Rutgers, Maryland, Nebraska, many, many tiers down, and that leads us right into Tweet of the Week, because even though Rutgers is a number of tiers down, they're still four and five, and they still have a shot at the Big Ten. And this is the Tweet of the Week, quote, what if I told you Rutgers still had a shot at the Big Ten East? Because SB Nation laid out a scenario, which is about, I don't know, it's like four ten thousandths of a percent that Rutgers could actually take the division. Penn State's chance is not much better, but I had a laugh because, you know, I have too much self-respect to actually go into the scenario once that happens because it's it's silly. But and there's no meteors involved. Yeah, but it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny, though. Like, it's 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 incredible. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rutgers, and, and give Chris Ash a lot of credit. I mean, yes. they've come a long way from last year, but they were so bad, so bad last year. That it's just, you know, a step in the right direction is a big stride for them. So credit to Chris Ash and the things that he's done. But, you know, they're, they're still not going to make a bowl. They've got Penn State left. They've got, I think, Michigan State at the end of the season or, or something like that. 
so they're not going to make a bowl. They've made strides, but uh, that was pretty funny to read. I mean, it, the percentage was ridiculous, but uh, at the same time, I mean, it's crazy. Anything anything can happen. Not that, but anything no. can happen. And, and to recap, too, for Penn State, specifically with regards to making the Big Ten Championship game, we touched upon it last podcast. It basically boils down to this. They cannot win any three-way tie involved with Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan. I will spare you the reasons there. It has to do, of course, with the tiebreakers if they all finish with two losses. The only way they would get in is if they have a two-way tie with Michigan, which means that Ohio State needs to beat Michigan State, then lose to Illinois. Uh, Michigan State would have to lose to Rutgers, and then Michigan beats Ohio State in the finale while it wins out, as does Penn State. So you can assess your own odds for that. We both say it's unlikely, and that's why we're moving on from two of the week. Uh, but hey, Rutgers uh, still has a shot mathematically, which is is kind of it's a lot of fun. Everybody's got to believe. Man. Yes, you got to believe. Uh, always with recruiting too. Um, I'm going to take a shot at this. I know this is normally your segment, and I kick back and I I sip water and relax, and then wait to jump back in. But let me tell you if I've got this right. Uh, no one is coming. It's cold. And it's Rutgers week. That's actually really, really accurate. All right. Uh, yeah. Noon kick. Uh, so visitors, not much of note. A couple guys uh, from Pennsylvania, potential walk-ons maybe. Um, you know, maybe a commit or two. I think Zach Koontz is going to come up. Um, but, yeah, this is a this is a throwaway weekend essentially. Um, you know, the, the, the noon start is not great. The weather is not great. The opponent is not great. So Penn State uh, going to focus on itself, I guess. They'll, they can say that uh, maybe. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it, it's not going to be any marquee guys. A couple guys coming in from Cast Tech uh, out in Detroit, which is a talent producer, produces NFL players and, and college players. Tim Banks was just out there last week. Yeah, Tim. Nine schools in one day. Yeah, uh, Tim Banks stopped by. Uh, Cast Tech was one of them. Detroit King where he went, um, you know, Oak Park and, and West Bloomfield uh, is a is a school that leads me into my next thing. Uh, they they offered Lance Dixon this morning, who you know I don't know how uh, you know how 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 you get how closely everyone follows that's listening, but Lance Dixon's a guy that you know on our board has been a popular subject. He's a 2019 linebacker, uh, outside linebacker. Came to camp this year, ran a four four, ran a four two four three shuttle. Um, just a, a supremely athletic kid at six two one ninety five. Visited for the uh, Michigan game earlier this season. Um, so he's a he's a guy that. And if we can get into a point on recruiting where I can stray here, Penn Go State. The the linebacker recruiting has been a, a point of contention for a lot of fans because you know Penn State fans are used to a mold at linebacker and Penn State's new staff has really gone away from that. They're going to recruit outside linebackers. They're rarely going to recruit Mike linebackers, even though they've got Jesse Lukita and Nick Tarburton who project to to at least start their careers at, at Mike linebacker. They they just want to get more athletic out there. I mean, you're going to see more Manny Bowens than Jason Cabinda's moving forward. So defensive um, version of a fullback, almost to an extent. That that old <laughs> mold that's it's far more useful on the defensive side, but you know it, it's just got more of a singular purpose, which you can't afford in a day of flexibility and versatility. Careful now, uh, but yeah, you're ex- you're exactly right. I mean, the Mike usually can settle in to just be a Mike linebacker, um, you know, where you can bring a guy in like a Will. Or, or he can play Will or Sam. He can move around. You can do some different things uh, that, that Penn State likes to do. I mean, that's been that's really been Penn State's uh, or excuse me, this staff's motto since back then when they were at Vanderbilt. I mean, they would bring in guys at safety and move them to linebacker, which we've seen with Jarvis mm-hmm. Miller and we, we, we will we, we've seen with Koa Farmer as well. Uh, so they will move those guys down a position. So you're going corner to safety, safety to outside backer. Outside backer can play the mic where we might see Manny Bowen next year, you know, slide into the mic. Um, you're not looking for a 250-pound, 245-pound guy that's just going to stuff up the running lanes anymore. So um, moving from the mic to DN and DN to D tackle where, you know, a guy like Ryan Buckholz will move down to D yep. tackle. 
Damian forth. Barber's still in that conversation. Damian Barber's in that conversation. Judge Culpepper, a lot of people were recruiting him as a defensive end, but he's just going to be a defensive tackle to begin with. So th- that's the way this staff operates. I mean, you're not going to see uh, guys, you know, like um, I, 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 the name's escaping me, the guy that from Massachusetts last year that went to Michigan. Uh, you know, Michigan will recruit that type of player. Penn State really going to stray from that. Um, does it hurt? I mean, you know, Penn State linebacker play hasn't been great as of late. Um, but I don't think that's the reason. I don't think you missing a true Mike linebacker, which Jason Cabinda is, is pretty close. Yes. I don't think you missing a true Mike linebacker is really doing this. Now, moving forward, they're going to have issues. As we mentioned, Manny Bowen is potentially going to slide in. We got a question uh, about I think we have a mailbag, mailbag question yeah. about that later. So, um, and we'll get back to that at some point. But, you know, you're going to see more athletic guys. And, it, you know, Penn State fans aren't always going to like that. You're going to want to, you know, the typical pause, Connor type mold that, mm-hmm. that that they're used to is just sort of going away. So it's just a, a snapshot in the way this, the staff operates. Um, going back to Lance Dixon, he, he was on camp, uh, excuse me, on campus for camp this summer. came back for a game. So Penn State, I think, is going to be in the mix. I think it's going to be one of those situations where it's Penn State, Michigan State, and then eventually Michigan's going to offer – um, also Wisconsin, Notre Dame, schools and like that. So um, I, I think he's a good player. I think he's a four-star potential, and, and Penn State has done a nice job getting in early. He was very happy to see Tim Banks at his game on Friday, uh, very happy to, to, to interact with the coaching staff, and he'll be back. I, I have no doubt that he'll be back. Michigan is a state that sent a lot of guys to visit, um, and Penn State has had some success there. K.J. Hamler's uh, from Michigan, uh, although he went to IMG. Donovan Johnson's from Michigan. Of course, go back Anthony Zettel. Uh, a lot of guys from Michigan. Mr. Allen Robinson. Mr. Allen Robinson, the, the the guy that everybody wants to believe is a package, uh, you know, the, the the package deal with Rob Bolden, which is obviously not true considering their ages. But uh, obviously, yeah, obviously. So, um, so Michigan's been good to Penn State. They're going to keep hammering that. Tim Banks is a Detroit King guy, so they're going to keep going back to that. He's got relationships in the Midwest, and and that's a, an area that's produced a good bit of talent in the last couple of years. Uh, moving on. Nebraska is going to be a bigger weekend. I don't know that's going to be you know anywhere close to Michigan or or even like Georgia State with the night game. So that that uh, kick time's still up in the air. I don't think we mentioned that earlier this week, but it's not going to be a night game. So if that's a three thirty kick, it's going to help out with the visitors. If it's a noon kick, that depends largely on playoffs. Uh, a lot of these guys are starting their playoffs tonight or tomorrow. Micah Parsons is is a guy that they thought they could get up for a game. Uh, you know, while this is while they still have home games to play, he's going to play on all Saturdays from here on out. A guy to look to, uh, Rashid Walker wants to visit. Uh, not a guarantee based on playoffs and things like that, but if you can get Rashid Walker back on campus, I think that's huge. Um, of course, uh, Jason Owe coming in for an official. Mm-hmm. Solomon Enos, who we reported last week, coming in for an official. So be a bigger weekend next weekend. So just uh, sort of, you know, hold the line for a week and we'll get back into it next week. The last thing I want to touch on, Ricky Slade uh, put out some senior highlights this week. Uh, boy, that, that kid can move. I mean, it's, and, and, and it's one thing, I mean, high school running back uh, highlight tapes are sort of a misnomer. I mean, you, you see what you've got to work with, but competition, you know, there's so many factors that go into it. Competition, um, speeding up tape, which which we've seen, which is not Slade's case at all, but it's it, it's crazy to see how many kids will do that. Um, really? but, but Slade, you don't need to speed up his tape. I mean, this kid shuffles and goes. He's a one cut guy. He you know he, he plays in an offense you know similar to what he can expect to see at Penn State. A lot of shotgun, um, but yeah, he's a, he's a guy that will have to build himself up five nine one ninety five. He'll get bigger, but man, he can he can do a lot of things. I mean, he's a, he, he reminds me of Miles Sanders when he was in high school, um, which is pretty high praise considering Miles Sanders was so highly recruited. But man, Ricky Slade, you put on that tape, it's entertaining. I mean, you you, you want to see. 
top tier backs and he's a top 100, you know, top 50, top 25, even, you know, if he moves up a little bit in the senior season, potential five-star guy, but man, he just blows some kid away. And it's actually funny to watch at times. Okay. I want to go back to the speeding up the tapes. Cause as you know, when I took this job, I didn't have much of a recruiting background. Right. And now I'm concerned that when we do our pro day, you are going to speed up your own tape when inevitably <laughs> we produce this. going to need to. <laughs> I, but, yeah. Cause it, it seems to me like the, the high school football version of what I did in high school, which was you make, you know, your, your period size 14 or 16 in these long papers, or you mess with the margins a little bit and to kind of like get by. Right. Is, it, is there a notable example of that or anything? Penn State related recently where you just kind of go this might be like 1.25 sped up a little bit not yeah I mean that's the thing or is it just kind of common no it's it's not that common you can pick it out usually but the way that editors are I mean you don't even have to go 1.25 I mean you can go 1.1 you know and just speed it up a little bit and usually what you look to is the refs you know, how fast are the refs? If a ref's out there running a 4-4, <laughs> you've got a clue that it's not working. So that's why, you know, that's why these guys like to see them run at camp. I mean, that's the that's the big thing for for the younger guys is you got to get to a school camp, run in front of coaches because they just, you can't trust everybody's tape. Right. High school tape, and, and you say the tape never lies. High school tape lies there's so much all the time. Yeah. yeah, there's there's so much going on. And, you know, you're from New England. The, the competition in New England is obviously going to be different than, you know, what Jordan Miner is playing against mm-hmm. every week. I mean, Jordan Miner put out his season highlights. They look good, too. Um, it's just such a such a difference in, in – there's so many things that can happen, you know, Florida to Northern Virginia to New England to Texas. Pennsylvania, Texas. I mean, there's it's just so different. And, you know, once in a while you have a guy that just sort of blows everything up. And, uh, you know, he's he, Ricky Slade is one of those tapes. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's just uh, the, the, that that's why it's so hard to evaluate. And, you know, when we evaluate at 24-7 Sports, and I've been with rivals, and obviously we have Scout coming in, you don't highlight, you know, you don't rate a kid based on highlights. You can't do that. I mean, it's, it, it's something that – you got to see a kid in, in person or, you know, go to one of his measurables you know, yeah, and watch some full tape, uh, full game tape or whatnot to, to rate him. And I know these rates are subjective, ratings are subjective and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, a lot of, a lot of fans only see the huddle tapes. They only see the YouTube clips and everything. So there's a big difference between, you know, a kid who's committed to Old Dominion and he looks like a four star, looks like a five star based on his tape. Well, you put on the whole game and he's taking plays off and he's yeah. not, you know, doing anything and he's getting mauled by a kid that's five eleven. Just like anything else, you want more information to make yeah, a better yeah. decision. The, the the number of data points that go into it, I, I don't think people realize that. I think people just want to say, Hey, his huddle looks great, he's a great prospect, which yeah. is just there there's so much uh, misinformation based on the information that you have. Okay, so let's not give anyone else more data points to judge us here in this podcast. Let's keep it brief and let's go on that great segment onto I think is going to be one of our more fun ones of the entire season because we are about to rearrange the Big Ten because this question was posed to us as realignment a possibility and I know, uh, but that doesn't mean it's not uh, a possibility here on the podcast. So I have created my own new divisions. You have created yours. We have renamed our separate divisions. Um, what names did you come up with uh, instead of what we have just East and West? Well, I'm a little. I took this a little bit lighter than you. I went with the Not Legends and Not Leaders divisions. Oh, very creative. Uh, named after the two worst division names in the history of any conference. Uh, just horrible, horrible. I mean, just immediate joke material. Yeah, I mean that's that. That was the day it came out. I mean, this is kind of are you bleeping serious? Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of funny but anyway um your, well, that, your yeah. well mine was going to be along the same lines instead of the leaders and the legends but the followers and the forgotten however i think again you're not seriously going to have that and this is supposed to be a fun exercise but if i'm going to take my division 
team seriously, I might as well go with a slightly more serious name, albeit still Big Ten, because I wouldn't describe the Big Ten as a very uh, creative conference, and it's very, you know, as it always has been. So the names of my divisions are Big and Ten. Okay, we can go with that. I mean, breaking it up, it's just, it's funny to see the tiers, and, you know, it's almost half and half right now in my head, Um, but, of course, you can continue to break those up. In terms of the the 14 teams in there, I mean, you're talking seven... Because it's very imbalanced now, it's the whole reason we're doing it. Yeah, yeah, and you're talking seven solid teams or traditional teams and then seven other teams or maybe eight you throw northwestern in there which you know can 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 make some noise every couple of years but uh, i think it's a very stark difference but but the thing that that i get into is you want to you want to split up ohio state and michigan and i know no i did not i want to know everybody wants you know doesn't want to cater to Ohio State and Michigan, but I think in this instance, you can still play the crossover game at the end of the year. You split it up a little bit by moving Ohio State or moving Michigan. I moved Ohio State for mine, but I think that's the key. Split those two up. I I don't think they have to be going for the same division title, and if you can get those to play in Indy, you know, once every couple of years, that's nice. the conference is going to love that. Jim Delaney is going to love it. Unless, of course, they would then play back-to-back weeks. Say, you know, they're both guarantees to make the Big Ten title. They have their end-of-the-season finale, which is always so built up, and then it's like, well, we'll see you in seven days, so let's not reveal anything. They're going to take the money. I mean, <laughs> let's, let's, get, when, let's be honest. Do you think the ratings here. or the buildup be a little bit down in, in either instance? Uh, it's hard to say. I okay. mean, they, they they talked about a you know several years ago potentially playing you know in the BCS or whatever. If it, even after a right. great wild one you did. Yeah, I mean that. I don't think, given the stature of those programs, I don't think that would take away. But given the stature of Michigan, they're not making the Big Ten title game anytime soon. Hello. Okay. All right. Well, they are together in my divisions. They are in the 10 division. So let me uh, reel off both of my divisions. I'm going to do it a couple of times so people at home I'm sure everyone's got your pad and paper. Yeah, well, you know, I just say it a couple of times. It sticks in your memory, and then we don't have to go back and go, who do you have? Okay, so in the 10 division, I have... We haven't seen each other's yet. We have not. Yeah, this this is a surprise. So I have Ohio State... Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern, Illinois, and Rutgers. So let me run that down again. Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern, Illinois, and Rutgers. So a couple of different notes here before I jump into the big division. Because I did this based on... Again, rivalries that I think you would want to keep together or geographically it still makes some semblance of sense. And I started, of course, with Ohio State and Michigan. You look at Wisconsin, Minnesota, another one, neighboring states, rivalry there. Northwestern Illinois, I don't know what the history is there, but I think there should be more. There, there should be some sort of animosity. Both teams on the lower tier, yeah, Northwestern can be solid. But if they're going to have teams where they really go head-to-head, both in Illinois, take advantage of that fact, build up some sort of rivalry. And then Rutgers and Maryland, I would just split up because we've got non number in each division. They should not be kept together. They are keeping the Big Ten East down, and they should just be kept apart, and that's how it should be. So again, Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern, Illinois, and Rutgers. Okay. I can see that. It's just... I, I, this is harder than it looks, by the way, because I, I sat there and I was like, well, this is a pretty good geographical split, and you're talking, um, you know, travel and everything like that. But, but, you know, in this day and age, I feel like this is a case of, you know, and this goes for the NBA, too. I mean, how long have they been talking realignment in the NBA? Right. And it's a case of, well, back in the day, we were taking buses or planes that were, you know, far more cramped, and it's not relaxed, which isn't to say travel is difficult. But in football, this is much more an instance of, we're doing it this way because that's the way it's always been done. I think... 
you know, a difference of flying out to Iowa, for example, this weekend is not all that different from Penn State than it would be going to Northwestern, no? Like an extra 45 minutes, hour on the plane? Yeah, I mean, that's probably true. And I don't know what, I don't book things for costs, you know, for, for entire football teams or anything like that. But yeah, I can't see it being as big of a difference as it was. Yeah, and they got a charter plane too, so. Yeah, I'm looking at how you broke it up. And, you know, that's, to me, the easier division. Um, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, obviously, you know, two of the top four in my mind. Um, Northwestern, I have them at number eight. So they're sort of on that thing. And then you've got Minnesota, Illinois, Rutgers, Purdue. Kind of the bottom, yes, the bottom of the barrel there. So, yeah. um, so, so you know that's okay. I went with. Uh, well, hold on, let me do the other one so we don't. Mix okay, match well, let's go. Let me round up. Yeah. Okay, so the teams that are left, in case you couldn't figure it out at home, that was the ten division in the big division: uh, Penn State, Michigan State, Nebraska, Iowa, Indiana, Purdue, and Maryland. Quick rundown here again: Penn State, Michigan State, Nebraska, Iowa, Indiana, Purdue, and Maryland. Um, Penn State, Michigan State. I, I think there's some history there. You need a team like an Ohio State or Michigan that's going to be, you know, an equal, a tough physical team, some history in the Big Ten. And then you've got Nebraska and Iowa. Both of those, to me, you know, states that you look at from an outside perspective is similar. There's history in those programs. There's physical. Um, I, I think that could be some semblance of a rivalry if given time and grouped together, which they have been recently. But, you know, it, it's Again, more of the geography thing where I'm looking at pairs of teams here. And that goes right in line with Indiana-Purdue. I mean, that pairing to me makes as much sense as any single one in the Big Ten. And then again, Maryland's got to be kept separate from Rutgers. But also, I think if there's an outside shot, not in any of the next five years, maybe ten depending on how things go. If Penn State is to establish a true rival, you know, Pitt's not going to be played. Maryland would be it, given the fertile recruiting grounds they have there, more money going into the facilities. You know, they came in and, and won in Happy Valley a couple of years back from Randy Edsel's final year. It's just there needs to be more history there. It needs to be more divided. And I think they're the team that could give Penn State the run, geographically speaking. Yeah, Maryland's building something. I don't know if it's going to be there anytime soon. But no, they've, not anytime soon. They've dumped money into it. They've got a good staff right now. It's just a matter of keeping that from being a stepping stone job, which it is right now. I don't know if Durkin is a name that's going to come up, uh, you know, in Florida or somewhere else. But it, it, it's... Uh, an invested program. It's mm-hmm. it's better in a better sense. They're in a better spot. I know they lost last week, and it's a better spot than Rutgers. And you know, it's in a great area for talent. So I think Maryland has potential. They're not there yet. And I'll go back. I read your uh, thing wrong. I th- I do think your original division is the harder division. I I read something as Purdue, and it was Wisconsin. So that's my bad. Um, <laughs> I want to know how that happens. I just starts with a P and a U and a W. You're, you're writing. Your writing's just terrible. I think we so. got to send you to school with Connor and get those ABCs knocked out. Again. <laughs> oh man, he'd kill me. <laughs> yeah, yes. All right, all right. What do you have for uh, divisions? I've got Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska. Illinois, Indiana, and Purdue. It's a little bit of geographical, of course, throwing Ohio State basically into the West, um, really. But I see Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Nebraska as those top four programs. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of mixing it up fairly even, four and four, and then the other guys, which is basically what it is right now. So and on the other side, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Northwestern, um, which I think you could you could flip Northwestern and, and you know if you needed to uh, make it a little bit more even. Minnesota, Maryland, and Rutgers. I kept Maryland and Rutgers together. I don't know that flipping those guys uh-huh. is – yeah, I mean that's that's the Far East right there. So I don't know that flipping those guys is going to do much. You know what they should do with them instead? <laughs> I, bet, I bet our listeners have plenty of ideas. But anyway, yeah. go which, on. Which again, this is not the dumb. We opened with, you know, it's Rutgers week. It's dreary. It's sad. It sucks. Um, but it's just a matter of the, the big difference, I think, in the teams in their division, which is why I separated them. But um, relegation, is that is that on the table? 
Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. You're going to get the soccer fans into it. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. But no, that was fun. Spice yeah. it up on a Friday. That was fun. Okay. Um, I like your divisions. My only qualm would be in the, what is it, the not legends. It has Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, Illinois, Indiana, Purdue. That seems to me like a red carpet for Ohio State to walk to the Big Ten title outside of Wisconsin. Well, right now it's a red carpet for Wisconsin to walk to the Big Ten title. So just throwing another team in there, uh, two of the top four teams in the conference consistently. And and that's the other thing. Things will change. Nebraska, if they get a head coach in there that can win, could happen. Iowa, of course, is not going to change anytime soon. Um, But, you know, and consistently you've got Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. So I see three consistent programs, two programs that could, uh, or one in each that could, you know, win the thing on any given year, but at the same time aren't going to be considered powers. So right. I think it's it's fairly balanced. It's probably a little bit biased toward Penn State just based off of what we see. But I just, you know, just having those four teams in the Big Ten East just beat each other up, and we've seen it the last couple of weeks and, and, and throughout the end of the season, I mean, nobody cares that Wisconsin's undefeated right now. I mean, that's the thing. Like, no. you're taking the Big Ten West and making it essentially the SEC East where it's one guy and then everybody else. Yep. And then you, you see the respect that the SEC East gets. So. I just think moving those guys around, splitting up Ohio State and Michigan, which, you know, you can argue that's what the conference wants. Um, I mean, I think that could be something that's beneficial for them. I'm trying to look now in terms of if you're Penn State, again, in your division, you would have Michigan, Michigan State, Northwestern, Minnesota, Maryland, Rutgers. So you're going to see those teams every single year. Your crossover games are, for the most part, going to be really good. You know, take Purdue aside. Purdue's getting better. Um, Illinois aside. Depends how long Brom's going to be there. Yeah, I was waiting for you to jump in. Um, Ohio State? What? What? <laughs> no, come on. Go ahead. No, I just said Perduzzi. Purdue- oh, anyway. yeah. Oof, yeah, I rewind. You can uh, keep that back. Um, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska. Games Penn State fans all look forward to as it is. You know, for the most part, they're out of the division as anyway. But just that, you know, every couple of years with Ohio State, man, can you imagine the buildup for that kind of game mm-hmm. if Penn State and Ohio State were outside you know, or in different divisions. Yeah, and Michigan would have the the automatic crossover with Ohio State, so right. it would be something that that circles every couple of years. and And you wonder if that would be a situation where, if you know, Michigan's down, if Michigan State's down, or something like that, it would turn into a situation like we see with Wisconsin this year, where you know it's they're running the table and nobody cares because the schedule is is kind of weak. So, I don't know. It, it's fun to think about. I you know you'd like to see them do something about it, but at the same time, teams are going to get better, teams are going to get worse. It's just the the rotation that comes in in college football. I think the other difference between our, and I, I think they were pretty similar the way we divided these up, um, the road trips in your division with yeah, Penn State. That has something to do with it. Yeah, but uh, so you would go to Northwestern, Maryland, Rutgers, Minnesota every year. I mean, Minneapolis might be fun, Ann Arbor. It is, yeah. Um, East Lansing, though, having just returned there and almost gotten locked into a parking lot in the mud at 1230 at night, might have had something to do with it. Um, shout out Rain Delays. Cool story, bro. Yeah, thanks, guy. Um, you know, I think you'd really be crossing your fingers for those road trips out of the division. Lo- the locked-in crossover game, I'd like to see Penn State-Wisconsin. I know it's a travel nightmare for some people, especially when they used to put it on, on Thanksgiving weekend. Mm. But Madison's a great town. State College is a great town. Wisconsin's fans are... You know, pretty crazy, but very nice people for the most part. So yes. I, I think that'd be a great crossover game every year. That would be fun. And, uh, yeah, they're actually in opposite divisions for mine, too. All right, so, yeah, my division would have Penn State, Iowa, Nebraska, Michigan State, Purdue, Indiana, Maryland, 
Yours would have Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Northwestern, Minnesota, Maryland, Rutgers. Well, this will be fun. I'm going to wrap this up and send it to Jim Delaney, and uh, we'll see what comes out on the other end. Sound good? Probably a great big smile. (laughs) Well, you know what we should give a look at these first, though, before we get it to Jim, is our new partner in crime, Fight on State founder, Mark Brennan, who is now aboard with Lions 24-7. That's right. The merger happened this week. Obviously, 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports, uh, bought Scout Media last, uh, actually earlier this year. So it's one of those things where, you know, we are teaming up to bring you more quality, more quantity, and, uh, you know, so far so good. A few hiccups in the uh, transition, but you'll have that when you're talking communities. But well, It was a silent commit for the last few months. Yeah, he was a was. silent and commit. Mark just wanted to wait till he could unveil in a time where, you know, it would be big news, like after a loss. Like after two losses. Yeah. Yeah, great. Mark, well done, sir. <laughs> that was expertly done. Um, so, yeah, we're going to bring him on here and talk a little Penn State Rutgers after a half hour of what's not really been football talk. So we bring in Mark Brennan now, and Mark, we are going to start with the most important topics at the start. Who has the better fake Big Ten division? I'm going to lead off here with Sean. Of course, we thank you for joining us. Um, Penn State, Michigan State, Nebraska, Iowa, Indiana, Purdue, and Maryland. Do you have that? You want me to say it one more time? Nope, I got it. I got okay, it. I already know. I already know which one I'm going to like better. By the way. <laughs> oh, excellent, excellent. I've got Penn. So Sean doesn't have to say anything. I won. Yeah, there we go. That's it. Uh, I've got Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Northwestern, Minnesota, Maryland, and Rutgers. Of course, neither of us have Ohio State in our division, so that's something to uh, take away from that. But what do you think? Listen, anything with Nebraska in, and it's not that. This is more out of selfish reasons, having traveled to Nebraska. Uh, anything with Nebraska or Wisconsin in is just too too difficult for me to wrap my head around. But um, I actually I, I don't know about you guys. I like the I like them the way they are. What I really do? Yeah, I mean I know I know that's kind of a all right a, a buzzkill for your for your for your discussion. But the key thing to me, I mean the worst division, the worst setup they ever had was when Penn State and Wisconsin were playing at the end of the year. I mean that was the dumbest thing. That, that I could remember because, you know, first of all, for us, I mean, from a, a purely selfish standpoint, media travel was horrendous. But even for right. fans, you know, any fans who wanted to go out to Wisconsin or, or the other way, Wisconsin fans who wanted to come here over, you know, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving weekend, yeah. it was absolutely ridiculous. So I'm, I would have to go with Sean's uh, only because that Nebraska trip is also a very difficult trip. Uh, Minneapolis, not a great trip, but it's a fun place to be. So there you go. I, I'm not looking at this from a, co- a competitive standpoint. I'm looking at how it inconveniences <laughs> me and how much selfish. fun I would have on, on any the of these places. has set you free. Because, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on Ohio State and Michigan? Would you split them up? Would you keep them? I mean, what, do you see a, a value in either either which way? In terms of being on Penn State schedule, or in terms of playing each other, just in the Big Ten sense, in the sense of the Big Ten, you know, because they could meet in the Big Ten championship game. Yeah. Of course, Andrew brought up that it would be a week or two after, or a week actually after they play uh, in the game. So, I mean, I'm, I I can see points on both sides. I split them up, so I don't I don't know what you're thinking. Yeah, my thought would be that you need that you need those two teams to play every year, and I think we've seen that they're not always both up in the same year. So, I would just I don't know how you get around the fact that that's become such a historic traditional game, you know, really one of the great rivalries. It's one of the things that, you know, as as somebody who covers Penn state, that Penn state has really missed, you know, you don't, you can't really call Michigan your chief rival. You can't really call Ohio state your chief rival. Well, you could, but they're never going to call you that. 
you know, same thing for Michigan State, even, you know, notwithstanding the, the LGT. But in my opinion, <laughs> I think those teams have to play every year, so I would not divide them up. You know, I know what you guys are getting at. How do you make the the balance of power better? And I just I, I think that what they tried to do with the way it is now is make things from a geographical standpoint as make the most sense as possible, realizing that probably through the years there's going to be ups and downs for all the different programs. And obviously now we're in a position where there's so many ups in the Big Ten East and, you know, so many downs except for really one in the Big Ten West. Right. Well, you are correct there, sir. I have Ohio State and Michigan in the same division, uh, the aptly named 10 division, Penn State's being named the big division. Uh, but this has been fun. I mean, I you know, I think whatever side of whatever, you know, fake issue you stand on, there's an understanding that, you know, it's a bit lopsided right now. And it starts with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, you know, all, all being grouped together. And then, of course, rounded out by Maryland Rutgers, which, you know, initiated this whole conversation because that's how Penn State is going to close out the season. There's not a whole lot of buzz there, which, of course, is also a byproduct of the fact they've lost their last two. But heading into Saturday, they're 31-point favorites. Um, and before we get into Rutgers, you know, obviously we're speaking with you here today because we, we merged. You know, and what I would love to do just, you know, briefly is for you, if you were to address – say, a new reader right now that, of course, would be our audience for this podcast, what you want to bring, what you have brought for so long, and just you know how you, how you would describe your coverage and, and what you're looking forward to. Well, one of the things I, I realized you know, when we started FOS back in 2000, late 2004, early 2005 was that the hardest of the hardcore fans really were looking for a different kind of coverage, a different style of coverage. You know, maybe not as much about the, you know, quote unquote name players, uh, maybe not so much, you know, being up there at the front podium interviewing the star quarterback after the game. So what I tried to do fairly early on was a couple things. Number one, start bringing a video camera into the postgame interviews. And I was I, I don't mean this bragging, but I think I was the first one who was doing that as a reporter. Everybody was kind of looking at me sideways. This was before people had cell phones that could really mm-hmm. functionally record video. And, you know, what I really enjoyed doing was talking to a lot of the players that that other people weren't talking to and giving different perspectives. And the cool thing about the video is people were actually able to see the players faces and get to know them a little bit. One of the things I, I really enjoy doing uh, is going to media day. And again, while everybody's crowded around Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley, go seek out somebody that people don't know a whole lot about. And one of the first people I did that with was Daryl Clark. He was a redshirt freshman. I forget exactly what year it was. And nobody was talking to him. You know, everybody else was talking to, was it Morelli and whoever else, maybe, I forget who, who, who was even there. Probably then. Sean. And, yeah, <laughs> and I ended, up, I ended up going and talking to Daryl Clark, and as you guys know, could not have been a more outgoing, oh, gregarious yeah. kid, you know, just carried himself so well. People know, knew very little about him, and I ended up doing this interview with him, and it was a situation where people got to know him. Before they, they saw Daryl Clark on our site before they saw him anywhere else. And that's in terms of you talk about what Sean does, 
talking to the recruits, it, it's been taken even a step further where people want to know about these guys as early as possible. So I know I'm giving a long-winded answer, but part of it is showing different sides of players that people aren't used to seeing. Yep. And another part is doing different sorts of coverage. You know, when everybody was writing, I used to write game stories after every game. And there's something to be said for that. But then I realized that every single daily newspaper was writing a game story. So I turned my focus to writing, you know, grades and, you know, my takeaways and and that sort of thing. So if you were to ask me what I try to bring to the table, I try to bring to the table what everybody else isn't. I try to fill in the voids that other people that you're not going to get somewhere else. All right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and we've seen that evolve over the years and everybody, you know, it's funny now you go into a, a scrum of people and everybody wants to know, Hey, who are the, who are the young guys that are impressing and all that stuff. And I think that's a, a credit to the way that, you know, uh, your site, our site, uh, site, yeah. our, 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 both of our prior institutions, you know, have sort of moved <laughs> in that direction. And it's, uh, it's been really interesting to see the flow of things and how that's changed the beat as a whole. It's been, it's been crazy over the last uh, 10 years, I guess. Yeah, and I even saw that, you know, now that I think about it, Mark, we were on a call with Tim Banks, you know, as we record this on a Thursday earlier this morning. And you're asking again, you know, what, what are the scout team players that have been impressing you? Information that only Tim would have. So, you know, that's stuff that, you know, interests me. And I think people who are professionally involved with this, and we see it every day because, you know, nice as kid as he is, like you can get a little tired talking to Saquon Barkley or Trace McSorley or Mark Sound. He was committed to Rutgers once. Did you know that? Yeah. Wow. Fun fact. Um, but, you know, you, you don't get a chance to chat with the freshmen and understand their evolution, which is going to be made at such a, you know, a more rapid pace because they're new and they're learning and they're growing physically in all those different areas. So um, I'm, I'm super excited about this whole merger you know we're getting stuff sorted out we still got three more weeks of the season and bowl season but you know we're going to combine on hoops that starts on friday and it's going to be a lot of fun so uh, moving on as we promised to penn state rutgers 31 point spread penn state coming off of two losses what we like to do here mark is just when penn state has the ball when rutgers has the ball and then one bowl prediction so let's start saquon barkley has not been able to run the ball essentially in his last five games does that change on saturday yeah, I do. I think you're looking at a Rutgers team that ranks 13th in the Big Ten in rush defense. Uh, I was just putting something together, and it, it occurred to me, and I'll, I'll post something probably a little bit later from when, we, from when we're recording this. But if you look at the teams Penn State has played, they've played four of the top six rush defenses in the Big Ten. Now, that's not making excuses. That's just a fact. I mean, they should have run the ball better in some of these games. But they were also, as, as Joe used to say, sometimes you have to give the other guy a little bit of credit. I think coming down the stretch here, you're looking at three of the worst rush defenses in the Big Ten. And I don't think it's, to me, the more I thought about it, James Franklin, he has that psychology or psychiatry, whatever that degree he has. You know, I think this was a well played, well played by him. He's caught, he basically called out his offensive line going into a stretch where they're playing very bad rush defenses. So what, what does that mean? That means that these guys are going to have an opportunity to succeed. And I, you know, I doubt he would have done that before they were playing Michigan State or Ohio State or any of the better rush defenses. So to me, 
I do think Penn State's going to be able to get it going. I will be surprised if that offensive line doesn't respond, regardless of who starts. Sure. You know, they really threw – for a coach to say that, and I don't mean that he said it in a negative way, but for him to really talk well, about the lack of physicality, even I mean, I think they're going to get after it. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be different this week. Rutgers, as he mentioned, as you watch some of their previous games, they switched to an odd front defense, a lot of three-man line, which, you know, they're going to run the same plays. The rules just change a little bit different. Um, and ultimately, when they got back to that, you know, as I wrote earlier this week, in terms of they're just kind of based inside zone, they got back to basics with that offensive line. They got better. So I think you'll see more of that, but things are going to have to change for them. Otherwise, that secondary for Rutgers, I don't know if you've seen anything about this, Sean. Like, they're, they're very active. They have a high number of pass deflections, pass breakups, and I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, as difficult as you might have had against an Ohio State or, you know, perhaps a Michigan, but it's going to be a better battle through the year than I think you might initially give it credit for looking and say, okay, Rutgers is on the schedule. Don't have a ton of refined guys back there, but they have some athletes back there. So when you've got athletes and you've got decent length back there as they do, they're going to get their hands on some balls. Uh, and it doesn't always, uh, you know, end up as turnovers. But Rutgers has the ability to to run some guys around and, and make some things happen. Penn State's got the talent advantage. I don't think there's any question about that. But at the same time, I mean, the, the, these are things that happen. You need Trace McSorley to get a little bit sharper. Um, you know, he's he's struggled at times. He hasn't been the reason that Penn State has lost, but he's struggled with his accuracy at times. And I think a lot of that, you know, has to do with footwork. But at the end of the day, he's got to he's got to hit those guys. And you know, they guys like Juwan Johnson have to step up. Deshaun Hamilton's very, been very good. DeAndre Tompkins has been good in in spurts as well. So uh, those guys have to step up again this week. And, and like you mentioned earlier, the run game, I think, is going to be the key for Penn State to roll. And part of that run game, of course, is identifying who they're going to need to take care of in these you know variety of, of plays that they're going to run. I think you're also going to need to identify that fourth rusher. I mentioned they've got three down linemen for Rutgers. Typically, you're always going to have a four-man rush, if not five. So you're not sure where that's exactly going to come from in the scheme. Now, they'll be prepared. And we've heard even James speak this week about wrinkles and that's something that caught my attention because mark i I don't think you know this but the last two weeks i have guaranteed a tommy stevens package um against ohio state michigan state how many times have we seen tommy (laughs) no we haven't and the other thing about that defense is that you look at the linebackers and i don't think they're as good as a lot of the linebackers that penn state has played against these guys make a lot of tackles but i think both of them have twice as many assists as they do solo stops that's not necessarily a bad thing but that tells you that they're not the sort of run stuffers that penn state has seen and uh, i'm going to go back to sean i know you were talking about needing to be more crisp in the passing game but i will be absolutely shocked if penn state doesn't come out and try to establish the run and work the pass off of that only by everything that Franklin has said about needing to be more physical. I think they need to come out and make a a statement. Uh, Again, this isn't going to be like making a statement against Ohio State or Michigan State on the ground, but they have to start making a statement against somebody and might as well be Rutgers. Right, and it's not even a statement to the rest of the country because they're going to expect a big Penn State win, but they got to make a statement to themselves. I mean, Sean and I have said this almost ad nauseum that they're just, this hasn't been the best version of this team in quite some time dating back to the Michigan game. So I, I think... I would caution against, you know, they'll call continuous run plays only in that, you know, we saw against Michigan State a number of RPOs. I mean, I think the first four straight plays were were all passes, and that's because we saw Michigan do what they've done, you know, what other teams have done. That's crashed in on Saquon Barkley. And the other part about Michigan State, I think, they run a lot of quarters coverage when I see that, which means a lot of zone, and that's where you're using those RPOs. Same goes for Rutgers. So if, if... I think you're right in that they want to establish that physicality up front, but if it doesn't result in handoffs, it's probably a result of Trace reading there's an opening because here comes Rutgers crashing down in the same style of defense. DeAndre Hopkins compared it to Pitt this week. 
We we say it pretty much every week, but Saquon Barkley and Mike Jasicki, such mismatches, and, and that's just you know multiplied this week. Uh, so those, those are going to be important guys. They're going to work the middle of that field. Um, Jasicki has been good in the flats. He's got to stop trying to jump over people so much. But uh, no, he's uh, he's going to be, a th- I think, a big factor in this game. And he's a Jersey kid, so I think Penn State's going to feed him the ball. All right, so we'll get you out on this for in terms of when Penn State has the ball. Um, I'm going to triple down on this. Tommy Stevens package is is back, baby. You're in the it, hole, man. Yeah. Just let it go. No, we are going to dig the, our well. Are you talking the package, or are you talking Tommy Stevens in general? No, no I think no, we the see Tommy. No, no, the package. Okay. Yeah, no, we're going to see Tommy because they're going to be up by 100 in the fourth quarter. Cool, man. But, Keep um, swinging. You'll hit yeah, it eventually. No, I'm swinging. Mark, are you swinging with me? Are we going to see some trickery here out of uh, Penn State? I, I am. I, I yeah. You were going to ask me for a bold prediction, and I'll do something else, but I think you're going to see a cool celebration from Tommy Stevens after a touchdown. I don't know what it is. I'm really going out on a line on a limb there, but he's just, you know what, he's he's too good of an athlete not to have not to have out there on the field. One of the cool things I saw at practice, guys, I know this is going off script a little bit, uh, but it really stood out to me. You know, he scored a touchdown yesterday. We we won't give details of how it happened because we don't want to give anything away. But he dunked but, you on know, you. The guy, he's always got a smile on his face. He's always happy. It, he can't. That can't be an easy situation for him to be in. But right. you see him at practice when we're there, and boy, is he carrying himself well. And he just, you know, he just seems like uh, again upbeat. Doesn't seem down at all. And I think sooner or later, come on, coaching staff, reward that kid. Let him get out there and show his stuff. Is he uh, is he gonna dunk on you when he scores this touchdown like he did at Wednesday practice because you were riding? Right that's what you see. Now you're giving now you're giving it away. You're of giving course, him, he's. I'm not saying well, how he got there. I'm just saying the destination was him dropping a ball and your head was really close. It was, and I didn't have my <laughs> my video camera unfortunately because that would have been t- tremendous. I was helping yeah. cover for our injured uh, photographer Harvey. All right, but dude. just the fact that he's got that so well scripted every time, and I'll tell people every time he scores in practice now. He's dunking it over the goalpost. You can't do that in a game. You'll get a you'll get a penalty. But he's clearly put thought into his celebration. So I had there was a method to my to my little ah, prediction there. Look at that. The and, different coverage already Andrew, shining through. Andrew, you don't know this yet, but Mark's head is near everything. It's the biggest thing <laughs> in the press. Shots fired on the first podcast. Okay, do um, that's why I'm in the front row and they, you know, unfortunately they put the TV people behind me in the press box. They realize that those folks, well, I'll, I'll let it go with that. But, yeah. <laughs> so that's why TV ratings are down. Across. Lot, so they put them behind me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Very good. All right. We'll go on to uh, when Rutgers has the ball. I, I have an uh, inkling. This is going to be a much shorter segment. Um, you know, Penn State ought to dominate, frankly. I mean, this is a Rutgers offense that is very run-heavy. I think when you look at past offenses that have followed that same formula and not been as balanced, Iowa comes to mind, Michigan comes to mind, Penn State's had a ton of success, and obviously they don't have the talent level that Iowa or Michigan do. Big week for these defensive tackles. Um, Kevin Givens included in that group, but he's probably going to play end again this week without Ryan Buckholz. Um, but yeah, big week for the defensive tackles. They're going to try and run it, run it, run it, and that's not a good formula for a team that's you know three and a half or excuse me four and a half touchdown underdogs. Right. Yeah, I don't I don't know about you guys, but after Rutgers beat Maryland, I had several people say, "Oh my God!" I mean, you see how good Rutgers looked, and it's like, well, look at who they were playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just got done talking about the worst rush defenses in the Big Ten, and Maryland is most certainly one of the worst rush defenses in the Big Ten. I don't have the stats in front of me, but Rutgers ran all over them. You know, from from I haven't watched a lot of Rutgers. Brian Doan has, and in, in talking to him, uh, you know, he said one of the real issues is when they're forced to throw the ball they just can't do it if they can run the ball against somebody if they can kind of impose their will on somebody which they obviously were able to do against maryland uh they're they're okay 
but they're not going to be do be able to do that against against Penn State. You know, not only is Penn State does it have good size to face this sort of team? It's not you know it's not a gigantic defensive line, but their speed against the run and the way that their defensive backs help out in run support. I mean, that's just been a strength all year, and I can't imagine Rutgers being able to get that running game going. And if you can't get the running game going against Penn State, uh, you know, you're not going to get a passing game going with the quarterback and the receivers that they have. Right. Gus Edwards is the running back there, 235 pounds, transfer out of Miami, just a bruiser. And, you know, he's a good complement to Janarian Grant who feels like he's been in Piscataway for about 79 years. Um, but it's the least explosive offense in the country. You know, they're going to be more efficient than they are getting these chunk plays against you. And it starts with Edwards. You know, first and second down, they're going to feed him, obviously, behind that line. A little bit of play action off of that. But it's a steady offense. And I think, really, if you're looking at Penn State's defense, not only do you want to stop Edwards, but you want to get the ball back to the offense in advantageous positions, short field, and then a big lead. Because at that point, Rutgers has to abandon the run. Yeah, and they're not going to throw all over anybody. I mean, we saw it last year. Penn State went out and played a pretty bad game at Rutgers last year. Of course, the weather was terrible and everything. Only scored 31 points when everybody else in the Big Ten was putting up 50 or 60. Um, but there, that, that's one of the games that's never in doubt. And, and yes. Rutgers' passing game is why it was never in doubt. And granted, there was some wind and stuff that night. But at the same time, I mean, they just weren't threatened whatsoever. It's sort of like, you know, with the Pitt game this year or the Akron game this year, Penn State wasn't at their best. And they weren't putting up, you know, 60 points or whatever. But at the same time, you know, from the Pitt game, from the Grant Haley interception, that game was not over, but essentially out of reach. It's in a really strong tone. Yeah. So, um, so I think that that's the kind of game that you see, even if Penn state, you know, doesn't extend that lead and cover till the very end or anything like that. I just think that's the type of game that we're in for. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I would say, and I'm sorry for the the delay there, but um, it's imperative for Penn state to come out and play well early, not imperative in the sense that it, it needs to do that to win the game. But after two tough losses, you know, to come out and show that emotionally that these guys are ready to go. So, you know, put X's and O's aside and just come out and play well. And for both the both lines, offense and defense, to play with more physicality after kind of being called out. Uh, we've seen this team over the last couple of years generally been resilient, and I think they'll be okay. You worry a little bit about that noon kick. What is the stadium going to be like? but maybe they'll generate a little bit of their own energy, get some things going early, but come out and establish a tone early. I think that's important. Again, not in in the sense that if they don't do that, they're going to be in trouble, but just for their own kind of well-being and emotional emotional stability. Mark, are you you suggesting they're going to bring their own juice on Saturday? I am. They're going to against Rutgers, 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 Rutgers. That's not your bold prediction. What do you got in terms of bold predictions for us? You know, I'm going back and forth on this. I am going to go with DeAndre Tompkins returning a punt for a touchdown. I know Rutgers has an outstanding punter, but sometimes he outkicks his coverage a little bit. They've allowed more punt return yards than anybody else in the Big Ten. Obviously, they punt a lot more than everybody else in the Big Ten. That helps. Practice makes perfect. Uh, You know, Tompkins has been kind of, I don't want to say under wraps because people haven't been kicking to him, but it seems to me as if Rutgers isn't afraid to kick to people or is dumb enough to kick to people, and I think that he's going to be able to pop one for a score. That's my bold prediction. I like it. I like it. It's funny about Tompkins, too, because I was looking over this uh, about a week ago, and he's only returning about half of the punts that he's seen which we had heard at the beginning of the year, he gets that return for a touchdown early on, 
what's different this year, much more aggressive. And you can only, you know, return the punch that you are given. And if their short kicks are angled, you've you got to call a fair catch. But it seems to me his, his impact there has dwindled. And it's not only just attributed, you know, to the punters or competition they've seen, um, but but his own impact. And, you know, I, I, I think that's a good prediction. Um, but doesn't that, Andrew, real quick, I mean, doesn't that also – it isn't that isn't he forcing them to do that i haven't taken a look at the numbers you probably have but i would guess if you went back and looked that teams are punting they're not punting for as much distance against penn state as as maybe they they would have been i think they're probably going more for height and for 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 angles to get it to the sideline to prevent him from doing things so that maybe maybe penn state's winning the field position battle a little bit more simply because of that i haven't i haven't you know, gone deep into those stats, but I right. wouldn't be surprised me if that was reflected in them. Yeah, they've lost field position the last couple of games, but before then, it's you know really a mixed bag. So it's hard to put your finger on one different thing. But it, you know, we haven't heard from Tompkins again, which makes me lean towards. Uh, haven't heard from him recently. Lean towards your bowl prediction because your first one was so good well, as it was anyway. This Tompkins prediction is not going to be negated by an Herb Charles Holes, right? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> if it is, I still I still take credit for it and he did have i mean he did have one return for a td was it against northwestern that was that yep, was called back and i'm assuming it was irv charles which is why you made that uh that comment sean yes it, it, the, the it odds are good yeah. i don't remember but the odds are good all right well, for me this is simple rutgers does not get two double digit points uh, i think they're gonna have a difficult time in the red zone if they do get these long drives going and Penn State is going to start fast. That puts them in a hole, and you know they're going to be able to load the box. And, and you know Penn State, as we've said multiple times, they need to make a statement to themselves, and they do that. Mine, uh, pretty similar to what Mark was saying earlier. Penn State's going to run for over 200 yards. People are going to wonder if the running game has been fixed. It has not. Um, but I think it's going to give people something to talk about and, and give those offensive linemen a little bit of confidence moving forward. Um, you know, Rutgers giving up, I believe, 179.6 yards on the ground, the 13th best rush defense in the Big Ten. Um, not good, not good at all. So Penn State's going to have the opportunity to run the ball. It's going to be Barkley, McSorley. You can work Sanders in there as well, Robinson a little bit. So um, I think Penn State's going to be able to run the ball this weekend, and I think everybody's looking forward to seeing that. You know what I think would help um, Penn State's run offense? What's that? I think it would be better if they were in a division with Maryland, Purdue, Indiana, Michigan State, Nebraska, and Iowa. What do you think about that, Mark? I think Ryan Bates being there would help them a lot better than that, more than that. <laughs> that seems like a simpler solution than mine. And so much more real. <laughs> yes. So. Oh, well, there's or why is, there's no fun in that. Um, but, all right, well, that just wraps about uh, about up. We don't do score predictions here. We save those for Saturday. I know you guys have a different operation, and we're kind of sifting things out. But we like to spread it out around here on the podcast and have some yep. fun. And um, I trust you have Penn State winning, Mark. Yeah, forty two sixteen. I could give mine out. I, you know, I have to make it for our TV show, the Nitwits that I I tape every Sunday. So I probably didn't take as good a look at the Rutgers defense or offense. I'm sorry, as I should have before making that prediction. But I, you know, I make picks and I stick with them. All right, sounds good to us. Sounds good to us. So big win for Rutgers. You heard it here first from Mark Brandon of uh, Lions twenty four seven with Fight on State. We have that correct. <laughs> yeah, you made right. that before the merger. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, very good. Well, thanks for coming on, Mark. We're going to head into our mailbag questions here, and uh, we'll you know we'll see you pretty much every day now. Awesome, thanks, guys, and I, I enjoyed doing this, and look forward to doing more in the future. Thank you to Mark Brennan for joining us, uh, our new colleague. You can find him on lines twenty four seven with fightonstate.com. Um, that's not the whole URL. No, it's not the URL, but it is the name. We are the with name. them, you know, keeping the brands together. Yes. Um, and it's important that we do so because both been around for so long and had success. And 
now we're going to do so together. So yeah, it should be should be great. Really looking forward to the game coverage this weekend. We're going to have so many angles to 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 go from. Mark's fantastic with video. He's got the Brennan cam after the game. Oh, yeah. Of course, your stuff, the up and down. The, just we're going to overload you with stuff to read about Penn State football. I'm sorry to strap do that. in. Yeah, all right. sorry to do that to you. Please keep all hands and feet inside the vehicle. We are overloaded with mailbag questions this week. We are. Really good responses. Um, we're going to keep it a three, though, as we usually do in every episode. Leaving off, would you, if you're a Penn State, rather play in the New Year's Six Bowl and play UCF or go to the Citrus or Outback Bowl where you'd meet Auburn or LSU? And before we do that, we kind of downplayed Penn State's New Year's Six chances uh, on the pack podcast earlier this week. They still have a very good shot. Uh, if they take care of business, which they should, you know, things are going to happen in front of them to move into that top 12 and make it to the New Year's Six Bowl. So I think it's definitely still an opportunity. Of course, you're still looking at uh, Capital One and or Citrus or whatever it's called now, and Outback as well. But, yeah, I mean, still definitely a shot for the New Year's Six Bowl. I say you want the New Year's Six Bowl regardless of the opponent. Uh, I mean, it's, I agree. It's, and I think UCF has been slighted, in fact. A yeah, bit. they've been undersold. They've, they've scored a lot of points. They've done a lot of great things. Two, two reasons why I think so. Number one, I think the exposure for a New Year's Six Bowl – um, you know, in, in a game that you're not going to get blown out because I don't think UCF. I think UCF is a good team. I don't think they would blow Penn State out. I think the exposure you get from a New Year's Six Bowl shows that you're still in that right direction. You're not falling off from the Rose Bowl where you were in last year. So I think that's a, an excellent opportunity for your program. It's good spots to play all over and, and storied games. And number two. I don't know that UCF's going to have their coach for for a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, that's going to be something. Scott, Scott Frost, Scott Frost, man. one of the hottest names. You got Florida. You've got Nebraska, who's obviously uh, going to be linked to him. You know, if if Oregon were opened up, if Willie Taggart were go to go to Florida or something, there's just so many possibilities for him to land at. Um, and he's done a tremendous job at UCF. They gonna they're gonna want to keep him, you know, much like Houston wanted to keep Tom Herman. I mean, it's just yeah. it's not gonna happen in the long run. They might throw a bunch of money at him right now, but there's still a very good chance he's not the coach at UCF come New Year's Day. I am with you, and those reasons even totally aside, because this goes to me what I, I read once about the Super Bowl and what certain coaches had told their teams before you go take the field is the bottom line with the game is this: everyone, of course, remembers who won the game. You rarely remember except for fans of the teams that are participating, who lost. Like, those teams go and fade into history unless you're, you know, let's say the Buffalo Bills who make four straight or another team that makes a number of championships just keep falling up short. When you get to a New Year's Six Bowl, you win the Sugar Bowl, you win the Rose Bowl, you win the Orange Bowl, whatever it is, you have that victory, and it says Orange Bowl, Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl champion up on your stadium. Very little do people care about who you played when, where, and why, unless, of course, you lose. You know, Boise State beats Oklahoma. But again, if Penn State goes and wins, this is this is a great badge uh, on the era so far for Penn State uh, under James Franklin and his resume and as they go forward. And I think, you know, congrats. You won the Citrus Bowl um, or it's Outback. You know, even if it might be a better opponent, the, what you're looking for is a win. And a win in the whatever bowl, Orange Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Rose Bowl, those, of course, off the table this year, except for Orange, Sounds and is much better than an Citrus or Outback championship. Yeah, you've got the opportunity to do so far outweighs you know the opportunity to beat an LSU or an Auburn or you know those are the great name programs. But I'm not sure either of them are better than UCF right now. Yeah, that's the other part too. Second question: uh, How likely is it that developmental reps will be given to younger guys outside of garbage time over the last few weeks? This uh, person wanted to know specifically about the middle linebacker position. I'm going to start at the end here. I don't think you're going to see any developmental reps at the middle linebacker spot. You've got two guys in Jason Cabinda and Brandon Smith are obviously going to be gone. Um, but you know what? They want to win. They want to win big in the last three games. 
And honestly, again, that's a spot we talked about earlier. You know, Mike linebacker spot, you haven't seen as many big plays from them as of late. So I think you're going to let them ride it out. Yeah, I think so. And and who are you going to throw in there? I mean, developmental reps for Jake Cooper or, you know, Ellis Brooks is a red shirt right now. I mean, it's, I don't think there's anyone to throw in at that middle linebacker spot or all, all over the place. I mean, you'd like to see more from the safeties. You know, they've thrown Nick Scott in there at times. Um, Aaron Monroe's been a little bit behind that, so that's possible. The corners have rotated. I don't think that's that would be anything new. I, at least we probably lines rotating. Yeah, we wouldn't notice Offensive it. line is young. So they're, they, they're rotating a lot of guys in there. I think the offensive line is the interesting one. Um, you know, we, we've talked about Michael Mennett. We, you know, I don't think we're going to see him in meaningful time. I think they're going to want to keep that offensive line together. You know, even if you're bringing Tommy Stevens in, maybe a little bit earlier than you typically would have, you're still going to keep that first. Don't fuel that fire, please. You're going, to, you're going to keep bringing in that offensive line, and they did that earlier this year where they ran yes. a couple series with Stevens, a quarterback, and that first-team offensive line out there to get them to gel. Um, so I don't see it happening. Maybe running back a little bit, but that depends what it means when you're talking about uh, you know outside of garbage time. I mean, if you're up 21, they don't consider that garbage time, but at the same time, you can still get Miles Sanders some carries. You can still get some other guys some carries. Uh, so I, I don't really see a ton of that coming until – you know, they're up four, maybe five touchdowns. Perhaps had they won at Michigan State, to be honest, and you feel comfortable here, maybe. Right. Um, and I say that because I think right now you're banking on garbage time, I mean, regardless. Yeah. But you, you just can't right now. I mean, you need to get your best players playing their best football at the end of the season. We've talked about it before. We have not seen the best version of Penn State since they were last at home against Michigan. You need to get back to that first. You know, even if they get out to a great start, I think you roll the starters out into the first fourth quarter um, and, and let them keep going and then do so at Nebraska, and you want to finish what's strong at Maryland. So I don't think you'd even see developmental reps on the road, too. So this is really just a discussion about the next two weeks. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you 100%. I mean, it, you're going to see more guys playing like we did at the beginning of the season, but I don't think it's going to be extensive roles or anything like that, and, and Penn State's going to, you know, all things considered, Penn State should be up in those situations. Right. Garbage time rolls around. It's a different story. I think we see a lot of that, and that's when you'll get the reps for the players who were mentioned. Um, last question. Any replacements coming for the offensive line, specifically at left guard? Steven Gonzalez plays left guard. We've mentioned him in the podcast here a couple of times with regards to the runs that call for him to pull to the opposite side. You know, James has said, I don't know how many times he's just a cheeseburger away from 350. It uh, doesn't suit his skill set necessarily. However, you want to look at a couple of their longest runs of the season. You have Steven Gonzalez out in front or pulling. 69 yard for Saquon Barkley against Michigan. Now, I'm going to get to the bottom of it here. The last two games for Steven Gonzalez actually have not been too bad. I chart offensive line stats every single week. I have him down for one hurry, one quarterback hit, and one run stuff. And that's among the fewest in each of those among Penn State offensive linemen. So I don't think you see a replacement because maybe, as you mentioned, Michael Mennett sees a couple more snaps here and there. But overall, you need this group to gel. You need the individuals to see more reps to improve. Um, And most importantly, you need Ryan Bates back. Yeah, I'm more worried about right tackle. Um, You know, I think Chaz Wright... Uh, you know, has has flashed at times, but not lately. So uh, more worried about right tackle than left guard. You'd like to see Gonzo maybe in the off season drop a few pounds. Um, you know, get a little bit quicker because he, he he can't always get over there, and that's been an issue with him in the middle of the season. So, um, but right now I'm more concerned about tackle. You want Ryan Bates back. You want to move Will Fries back to the right side and try to go with that line right there. Right, or just get a little meaner. I mean, we chatted with him this week. Yeah. Great guy, yeah. very open. He's made such strides, and he's even said it just in terms of his confidence and his camaraderie within the offensive line. And now it's just a matter of putting it all together. So, And that goes for all of them, too. I mean, you just – James said this week that he had individual conversations about we need to be more physical in the run game. I don't 
you don't know what you can do with this stage of the season outside of just talk about it. And they're not taking anyone to the ground in practice. So it's really just the mentality you have throughout the week. But, you know, how many times have you heard offensive linemen or the players on a football team you would want your daughter to date? I mean, coaches say it constantly. That goes the same for Penn State. Uh, the problem is you shouldn't want anyone near them, let alone dating, on Saturdays. And yet, you know, they haven't been able to push people around. The scary thing is they're they're a lot meaner than they were two years ago. I mean, this, this is a nice group of kids two years ago, <laughs> and it showed on the field. Uh, you know, still still some, some decently nice kids, but there's some brawlers in there. So, you know, you'd like to see it uh, continue to take that strides. We talked about quote of the week earlier this week. They're still a finesse team. Um, you know, this is a time you wouldn't hate to see somebody get a penalty for blocking after the after the play or something like that. I mean, just something to see them show a little bit more fire, and, and it's easy for us to sit here and judge. But, yeah, just punch somebody in the mouth. I mean, do something. Probably not punch somebody in the mouth. We saw that in the NFL a couple times this week. next to you that you just backtracked from that because yeah. I am well within your, your long reach. <laughs> You're in the room. You're within my reach. So, <laughs> this is uh, true. Yeah, so uh, I, I'd like to see that. I think everybody would like to see that a little bit more physical in the run game. So we talk in generalities here. But, yeah, I mean, that's if they're going to get anywhere, especially you know to, to an 11-win season possibly, they got to be better in the run game yep and that starts tomorrow against Rutgers we'll find out you know it's been Rutgers week we said at the outset but truly this whole week has been about Penn State and we're going to learn more about the Nittany Lions um, who lost two straight and you didn't think that would happen but here we are so this has been fun Friday edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast we'll be back on Monday taking your questions breaking down the game probably not going to rearrange the Big Ten again but this was fun and uh, we'll see you in a couple of days enjoy Bun- the weekend bundle up it's going to be a cold one Start again.